0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe podcast. Today we're talking about the Clone Wars Season 3, Episodes 15, 16, and 17. This is the Mortis arc in which our heroes visit a planet where the very living embodiment of the Force, the light side, and the dark side all hang out. All that and more after a commercial break. We have no control over Welcome back. As I said, I'm Matthew, your host. Um, Before we jump in, I want to give a quick programming note. Uh, This will go live on Tuesday, and on Friday of the week it goes live, Friday, October 30th, the first episode of The Mandalorian Season 2 is going to drop. And for anyone who's interested, uh, I'm going to be hosting a live watch party of it um, that night and every night at 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, uh, 5 p.m. uh, Pacific, Um, I don't think we have any hosts and we probably have some fans mountain. So 6 PM mountain, if that's, if that's your gig, um, but it's gonna be a watch party, which means that, um, there'll be an online link. All you need is to have is Disney plus and a Google Chrome with the, um, screener extension links to all this will be in the show notes as well as on our webpage. And that way you can, uh, watch it with us online at the exact same time and take part in the live chat with us. You can also ask questions that we'll then talk about when we podcast about those episodes. Um, this is going to be our last episode on the Clone Wars for a little while, as well as our last one about the movies. Once the Mandalorian gets started, we're going to kind of hit pause. Each episode, every week, we're going to record an episode about that week's episode of the Mandalorian. Uh, Ricky and Sarah are going to be guests for that sometimes, as well as uh, Jeff Randall, Ashley Coffin, and Paul Hoppy. And then we'll get back to our normally scheduled Clone Wars and movies. Um, we will possibly do something on the Star Wars Holiday Special. It depends how sadistic we're feeling. Um, but Till then, um, let's dive into what are some of my favorite episodes of the Clone Wars. I'm not sure how you guys feel, but Riki and Sarah, good to have you back. It's been a little while. How are we doing tonight?
1: Hey. No.
2: <laughs> no. <to what? laughs> this is not some of my favorite episodes.
1: Mm, I got I got excited when you mentioned the holiday special because I love okay. the holidays and I've never seen the holiday special. So
0: They're the terrible. holiday special is um special <laughs> special is a good word um. <laughs>
1: Wasn't this like where Boba Fett gets introduced? That's true. I'm excited. Is I, it? I don't I have remember like that the part. Naivete of never having <laughs> seen it, and I can I can only imagine
0: it's good. It's it is a it, it is an event to be experienced. I All will right. put it that way. All right. Um, and so, it's but, worse
2: than Solo.
0: <laughs> I would argue that point, but we will get to that in time. <laughs> um. Uh, We'll definitely get to that in time. But for now, yeah, let's dive into these episodes of The Clone Wars. Um, I did a quick summary for anybody who doesn't remember. Uh, These are coming directly after the episodes we've had about the Night Witches, which I don't think is coincidental because we're really further exploring the idea of what does it mean to use the Force outside of the Jedi and the Sith. Um, Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka wind up being drawn to... A planet that's in the middle of what looks like a huge, like, uh, pyramid on both sides. Like a a, a holocron type thing. Um, There's a planet inside. We're not quite sure. We don't ask questions. And living there are three characters. The father, the son, and the daughter. And the father is kind of the embodiment of the Force. The son is the embodiment of sort of the dark side. And the, the daughter is the embodiment somewhat of the light side. And there is... Testing of Anakin and then the sun starts fighting back and then the sun gets upset and all sorts of uh, conflict as well as philosophical ideas about what is the nature of the force. Um, Anakin learns uh, some of his destiny to what it will mean for him to bring uh, uh, balance to the force, but then has his memory erased. Um, and then eventually they leave with uh, it seems like all three of these embodiments of the force uh being killed um which is uh something we'll discuss so yeah that that's kind of an overall summary uh, you could read more about the episodes on wikipedia to be sure or just watch them again it's episodes 15 uh sorry yeah 15 16 and 17 of season three so what do you guys think of these overall episodes
1: i i feel like i'm gonna be acting as the father for these because i'm pretty ambivalent about them and mm-hmm. matthew i know you really like them Enrique really
0: hates them. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, I'm curious why. I mean, wife. yes, I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> what what's what's your issue with them? This is
2: a si- this is a side story. It's like a mm-hmm. full on side story. It reminds me of in Dragon Ball Z. <clears throat> they would just have made up side stories in the anime that were not in the manga because. Uh-huh. They were basically like coming out at the same time, but like a fight that takes place over 10 pages in the manga, you know, only takes 10 seconds in the anime. So they have to make up for that time. And some of it is the famous Dragon Ball just like powering up, like, and they just like shake the earth for a minute and a half for no reason. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, But the other thing is they would just make up these side plot quests where some of the characters that are maybe off off camera for a while just do something that did not happen in the manga to waste time. And that's what this felt like to me is like Interesting. Clone Wars cartoon, but here's something that's not Clone Wars like featuring some of the characters that you know and love.
0: Uh-huh. So so for you this just kind of felt like a waste of time and taking us away from our main story?
2: Yeah, especially because as you just mentioned they reveal the future to Anakin Uh and then they immediately take it away. You know, just like classic amnesia fix. I I did not love that plot
0: point. I'll definitely say that.
2: So ultimately like three episodes, nothing happens is Mm -hmm. is what it feels like.
0: For me, I think it didn't feel like wasted time because I, I do think that one thing that often happens in an epic journey is You have a character sort of take a pause from the main conflict, go off and do a side thing, and it's a time for them to reflect and to learn and often to meet with a mentor type character, Um, and we'll talk about why the father is interesting, but also I I think very problematic in that role uh, with some of the stereotypes that I think that his character plays into. Um, But, you know, you have this idea of the characters kind of take a pause and go off and, you know, have that time of reflection and a different kind of challenge that gives them a better understanding of themselves and who they are and gives the audience a better understanding to help us now go back into the main story. And well, so yeah, I'll start, I'll start with that. And then Sarah, I think you wanted to jump in on, on that.
1: Yeah. Well, I was just going to say like the idea that this is a side quest, like, yeah, it is. It definitely is like a side story, but we've had other episodes that have been, like, quote-unquote side quests. Like, the arc right before, where they're mm-hmm. visiting the Night Sisters. I guess, like, it ties a little more into the plot with, um, like, Ventress uh, and, and um, Darth Maul and Savage kind of getting right. introduced there. Um, and we never really come back to the father, daughter, and son uh, yeah. in this series. The, um, they play a little bit of a role in Rebels. Um, but like yeah, we have had episodes before that do not feel very Star Warsy, and this episode definitely does not feel very Star Warsy. But it does like I don't know, it hits a little different. Like I said, I'm pretty ambivalent about it. I like some of the lore that they're right crafting. I dislike how it undermines some of the lore they previously crafted. Definitely. Um, yeah.
2: So the it- previous stuff with Savage and Ventress. I mean, essentially, the entire Clone Wars cartoon is a side quest on the movies. Sure. But those introduce characters, or or, you know, continue the adventures of characters that we have known, and then in the future we revisit them. I mean, Savage leaves to look for Maul, and spoilers: we're gonna—he's gonna find him, and we're gonna (laughs) get that story. (laughs) Uh, Here, that's it. Like, bye. Like, we never hear from them again essentially and and it's it's compelling but without a payoff Mm. i mean this this, these are like fundamental questions of the force right and you would think that maybe obi-wan would come back from this and say master yoda i have some questions
0: (laughs) yeah I, i mean i guess that's it's interesting to me to hear you say sarah that it doesn't feel like star wars because for me, this feels very Star Wars because it's very much exploring the nature of the Force. Um, I, I think I agree with you, though, that I, I don't like the payoff. I feel like they set up some really interesting... I, I, I feel like these episodes teach me a lot more about the idea that the Force can exist outside of the Jedi and the Sith in ways that I really like. And that I think... But that, you're right, it doesn't have... It, it could have been a lot better if it had more of a payoff and more of a... It didn't feel quite so much like bottle episodes.
1: Yeah, I guess like when I say it doesn't feel very Star Wars, I guess I'm thinking of like a New Hope, and and the sort of action adventure movie right. feeling, right? Whereas this this did not feel action adventure. This felt world building. Not that there's anything like wrong with world building, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, in any shape or form. It just like it. I don't know. Hits a little different. Like it has the same vibe as the Night Sisters for me which is like exploring, like you were saying, these alternate ideas of the four of the forest. We're getting a lot of like mysticism. We're getting, getting a lot of the like looks at almost the Jedi religion. Mm
0: -hmm. Like the father Mm -hmm. mentions
1: that um, there were temples to, to these three figures in rebels. We see that there is a Jedi temple dedicated to these three. Um, So they're, they're clearly part of the Jedi religion somehow. Um, And it's, it's, weird I guess to to see like God is real and it's this dude um in yeah. a in a fantasy setting um, and I know that that's a thing that's come up in other fantasy arcs like I'm thinking uh, like his dark material right like God is a character mm. right um yeah. go ahead
2: maybe this is the time to ask Matthew as a Christian how do you feel about the it especially struck me when you did the intro how do you feel about the father, the son, and the daughter. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: I, I think I think there are parts of it that I really, really liked and parts of it that I thought were a little eye-rolly. Um mm. to getting to Sarah to your point, I think it's what I like most, and it's um I, I think I've talked about this before that um in the original movies they do very much talk about the force as a religion. Mm-hmm. And somewhere along the way they kind of lost that idea. Or they talk about the Jedi and the and the, the, and whatever Darth Vader is as a religion with the Force being the deity of that said religion. And I think one of the underlying themes has always been, but they sometimes go away for this, and frankly it's part of why I like the movie Last Jedi so much, is I think mm-hmm. it really pays this off, is the idea that, and this is very much a thing that happens in, in our own world, when you have a religion that is human-created in order to worship a an idea of a deity which is in theory separate from that one of the things that happens is eventually the the religion kind of takes on so much of a power of itself as an institution that people are now worshiping that institution instead of the deity that they're supposed to be pointing at and i do like when i think of a sociology of religion perspective where where that dynamic happens that is exactly what i see happening with the jedi where Mm -hmm. They have become so focused on their own institutions, on their own ideas, and their own rules. And as we've talked about many times, that those rules have become arbitrary and don't seem to serve people, but people follow them just to follow the rules, which, gosh, that doesn't sound like any real-life religion I can think of. <laughs> um, but and that, that, in many ways, is the downfall of the Jedi. And, and Luke says that himself. Luke, in, in Last Jedi, he says that we were arrogant and there was hubris. To think that we, the Jedi, owned the Force, and I think for me this episode really makes that clear. This idea that there are, you know, that the 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 brother, the son, you know, he laughs at the idea when someone, you know, when Obi Wan looks at him and says, "You're Sith," and he says, "Um, I wrote it down." Uh, It's like yes and no (laughs) from a certain point of view. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes (laughs) and no from a certain point of view. Um. You have a very simple view of the universe. I am neither Sith nor Jedi. I am so much more. Mm-hmm. And then later he says, How simple you make it light and dark, as if you could have one without the other. Um, it, it, it kind of felt to me like... And I, I, I would love to have someone write a tell-all book about what happened in the writer's room <laughs> during the show. because It felt like there was at least one writer who really got this idea and wanted to really push on this. And so these three episodes got made... And then later, other writers or maybe Lucas was like, "Yeah, that's too heady. We're not going to go into that. Let's just get back to blowing up dro- droids." Um, yeah. Because you're right. I, th- I think it, it suffers that there isn't a real uh, feedback. But um, and to read your specific question of it being like the father and the son. Um, yeah, I'm very bored with Christian iconography happening all over the place. Um, you know, especially given that there's a lot of messianic ideas to to the to the Star Wars story to begin with. Mm. Um. But especially given that, in many ways, I think Star Wars is more Buddhist than it is Christian, if it's anything. At least the idea of the Force is. Um, although I'm using that in very broad terms. I, I don't love the, the Christian iconography there, but I'm I'm so used to it showing up in almost every sci-fi or fantasy type thing. You know, it's kind of like when I it, we got to the end of the, the Harry Potter books and there was just this huge amount of, you know, the death and resurrection scene in King's Cross Station. Like, it was just... Hitting you over the head with Jesus iconography, and I'm sure. Or the I, matrix. I'm just yeah. I'm 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 annoyed by it, but I'm just so used to it that I kind of roll my eyes and, and move on from it. But but I like, to me the rest of it that religious idea that that's I think more than I think what I love about these episodes.
1: I like that they like low key address that within the episodes. Um, I think it's like the second episode, Altar of maybe. I. They they all basically act as one big arc, so I feel mm-hmm. like I'm not gonna focus too much on each specific episode and more like the group of three as a whole, right? But um, in one of those, I think it's the second, the father talks about how he just appears as whatever form the people who come to him are. Right. So like he's not a human; he just looks like a human because Anakin and Obi Wan look like humans, right? Um, and so I I kind of liked that because this idea of like no, oh, it's an old white man. It is sort of like explained away and like because you are right. Yeah. Like I look like this because you look like this, which is nice, I guess. <laughs> well,
0: so here's what I found problematic, and I'm wondering if if uh, I saw something you guys didn't, or if you also if you also uh, felt this way. The fa- the the image of the father, I think, particularly bothered me because he's presented as this kind of you know the wise old man on the mountain. Um, I think he literally is at the top of a mountain often when he's talking to them. And his features feel somewhat Asiatic to me, and he has that like that very long, thin beard. Um, it, it didn't go too far into this, but it seemed like there were definitely elements of him looking like a bad caricature out of a uh, bad Kung Fu movie, of that kind of like the, the wise old Asian man on a mountain. Um, did any of you pick up on that, or was I just maybe reading into that?
1: Um, I don't know if I specifically got like, Asian, like East Asian, but more like a like Swami kind of like mm-hmm. South Asian vibe, I can um, see that. and more or even like like Confucius, right? Because he's like knowing the future, right? That sort of jazz, um, and like sort of picking up on what you were saying before about the force being more like a a sort of Buddhist realm of religion rather than like specific Christian vibe. Mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't know Ricky. did you have any
2: not not on his appearance <clears throat> mm-hmm. or any of them like for me the thing about their appearances i mean you just mentioned that they appear as the the visitors would expect them to be yeah why why then what the shape-shifting that's my question What's up with the shape-shifting? The mm-hmm. son and the daughter turn into like a bat and a dragon? Yeah, and it's very
1: yeah. like a white bat and a black dragon or something like Like a white dragon and a black dragon. And, um, and they circle around each other in a yin and yang symbol.
0: <laughs> oh, I didn't even pick up on that, but yeah, you're probably <laughs> right.
2: And it's like, I, I don't yeah. know if I've, we've mentioned it on the podcast before, but I've had conversations with people about, well, like the force, you could probably just even time travel. So it seems like the Force, you can shapeshift into dragons. And none of the, the main characters like, bat an eye at this are like, Whoa, <laughs> can, can we do that, Master? Right.
1: But I think like they're not... like Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka aren't the Force. They're just using the Force. So this idea of, like, can we shapeshift into dragons? Like, No, you, you can't, because you are not the Force itself the Force is just flowing through you and it's just something you're using.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, to me... <laughs> they... oh, go ahead.
2: Well, so, like, you're saying that as the embodiments of the Force, they just can do things that other beings can't, right? Is what you're saying.
1: and I'm, I'm, like, I don't even think they're beings at yeah. all, necessarily. They're just, yeah. like, looking like humans so that Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka can, like, process them, basically.
0: Yeah, to me, they were more, like embodiments of this entity that is kind of you know inexorable and beyond words mm. um and i i guess to me that was the kind of like i see you see that in fantasy worlds a lot where it's like the you know whatever the divinity thing is that it it appears in this like avatar mm. aspect or um not avatar like the last airbender but a more the other definition more like of, that
1: the of marshmallow man Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Choose the form
2: of the destructor. Okay. So like talking about this more, I'm getting huge Star Trek five vibes.
0: Oh, when they the Spock's brother they journey to the center of the universe to find God who yeah. needs a starship. What? Yeah. Yeah. Spock. So Spock has a
2: brother who is this
0: goatee brother?
2: No. Okay. It's a real brother. Like a new character is introduced, and like, ah, I've always had a brother. (laughs) Okay. And he's a Vulcan who laughs. Oh.
1: Okay.
2: Um, He's like he's forsaken the Vulcan ways. Well, isn't
1: he? Isn't Spock like half human? Sure. So then, is his brother half human? No.
2: He's uh, he's a full. Interesting. Okay. Um, and he commandeers the Enterprise and like rejiggers the warp engines, and they travel like. I, I don't think it's the center of the universe. I think it's like beyond the bar- the Great Barrier because Star Trek has this thing at the edge of the galaxy or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. Which anyway, Star Wars does as well, which we'll get to in a second. But yeah, go he, ahead.
2: They go to this like planetoid, asteroid, where they find a being, a supreme being that purports to be God. Huh? And they talk to it and God is like, I need your spaceship to, like, leave this planet. And Kirk, <laughs> I think it's Kirk, says, why does God need a spaceship?
1: Excellent question, Kirk. And,
2: like, now I just had that same vibe from this. Like, the, the sun is, like, so powerful and, and like, can do all these things, but he needs the Jedi spaceship to leave
0: Yeah,
2: the, the Dyson Pyramid.
1: Yeah, well, I don't, he doesn't, like, need the spaceship necessarily, right? Like, he needs the Jedi, who need the spaceship, right?
2: No, I think he literally, like, can't leave. He needs the spaceship.
1: Okay, I thought that it was, like, he needs he's the like people. A, like, he's, he like, a living, someone.
2: breathing thing that yeah, can't I mean... just, like, teleport through space.
1: Yeah, we well, can't teleport through space. Sure. The father mentions that it's, like, their prison, that, that he yeah. keeps the, the son and the daughter, like, they're them trapped there.
0: Right. It is definitely, I think, one of the frustrations of the episode that it's it feels like the the lore building that it does overall is really interesting, but then what it the way it connects that to the actual story is unfortunately pretty bad. Um cuz you're right, there's this whole thing about how this is all about revealing that Anakin is the chosen one and I Oh yeah. I I remember watching this and being like, "Oh, okay, cool. We're going to learn so much more about what it means that Anakin yes. is the chosen one." Yes. And we don't. Like, yeah. well,
1: and like the stuff we do learn contradicts the stuff we already knew
0: like how so
1: um okay so this might just be like fan theory um that i'm building off of and like thought was canon but yeah so the the whole idea of like Anakin there's a prophecy about how Anakin is going to bring balance to the force right um and then the jedi are like oh sweet that means he's going to fight for us and be a, a good dude despite the fact that at that moment in time the light side of the force was pretty dominant and the dark side was like almost gone so the idea of Anakin bringing balance to the force didn't mean like was going to make the Jedi all powerful it meant that he was gonna like make the Sith powerful so that the Sith and Jedi become balanced but then like this episode makes it seem like he was gonna destroy the Sith and Jedi which is what like the son says but the father's also like no no you need to be the fulcrum here but then because he left he's gonna be evil because we hear the like darth vader march play as he's leaving the planet like eh
2: well the problem with the prophecy of the chosen one is that we as fans are never actually presented with the full prophecy
0: Mm. yes
2: we're just given like these snippets of quote we'll bring balance to the force
0: right well, and so this is actually a question that leads me to, because I think you're right. It, it They never really make it clear. And, and Sarah, what you're saying is, I think, one definite theory that the actual balance he brings to the Force is by bringing Sith and Jedi back into balance. Um, but or Or the idea that he brings balance to the Force by eventually wiping out the Sith entirely at the end of Jedi. And then the last movie ruins all that. (laughs) Just kidding. Palpatine's
1: been alive this whole time. But so here's
0: actually an interesting question. At this point in time, what do we think, like, because you're right, I think the show and the movies never quite explain it, which is very frustrating. What do we think it actually means to, well, two things. What do we think it means to bring balance to the Force? And does Anakin slash Vader actually do it?
2: So have you watched like the Dave Filoni extra stuff?
0: I have not. I've heard good things about it, but I have not. But feel free to spoil it.
2: I haven't watched it all myself, but I've seen this one snippet where he talks about the prophecy and and what it means. And the idea is that the prophecy is supposed to mean that Anakin will be able to kind of embody the light and the dark within himself, like both sides. Like we've talked about, I think you and I have talked about in the past um, when we had our last Jedi theories. Right. And... That Qui Gon was the one who was going to be able to teach him that, because he is already kind of a heretical Jedi Master, who who like questions the the Jedi's um, Jedi ways, the Council's ways. And and so, like Dave Filoni says, that the duel of the fates in the Phantom Menace is basically the duel to determine Anakin's fate, and by killing Mm -hmm. Qui Gon. Darth Maul like prevents this prophecy from coming true basically.
0: Interesting. Okay. And so Obi-Wan's like misraising of uh Anakin like all the things that are supposed to happen that's not what the prophecy was supposed to be.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and so does yeah, no- and,
2: and like at the at the end of Revenge of the Sith, you know, I loved you. You were like a brother to me. Anakin needed a father. He needed Qui-Gon to teach him, not a not a brother. And so, like, okay, we we've talked about that as well—the way that Obi Wan, like, never quite pushes Anakin in the right directions because, like, because of his own failings, you know, with Satine, right, and, 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 and entanglement, and so he's never able to actually like reach out to Anakin and talk to him about mm-hmm. his feelings. When we we believe like that he knew about Padme.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, like by. Yeah, he makes it very clear that he, like, knows about Padme, yeah. but yeah.
2: yeah. So, like, if Qui-Gon had been in that position, it the, the belief would be that he would be able to talk to Annika and say, you know what, it's okay. You should, if you love her, you should be with her and try to find balance within yourself.
1: Instead of Obi-Wan just, like, turning a blind eye. Yeah. yeah.
0: Inter- okay, and so this is the... So the balance of the Force would be the kind of more Grey Jedi idea of... Not turning the dark side, but not having the stringent, rigid rules of the Jedi. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I, I think that that's an interesting idea, and um, it is never quite named, but it is one that is somewhat explored in Star Wars Rebels, that I'm sure we're going to talk about, mm. and that I think you can. There, there's a direction by which you can say that uh, Ray in the in the final movies definitely goes in that direction. But again, it's it's frustrating that it's never pointed out. Yeah. Well, I think,
1: I, like even Kylo too, right? Like, especially near the end.
2: Yeah, because he has, like, a redemption arc, but it's not quite clear whether he has come all the way back.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like the whole, like, kylo Ray pairing is in, like, a non-gross way. Kind of like the sister, or uh, the daughter and the son. Mm And that like, she's clearly the light, but she's got a little bit of dark in her. And he's clearly the dark, but he's got a little bit of light Mm
2: -hmm. in him. Right? The very, like, yin and yang. And they keep each other...
0: Yeah, in balance, check. yeah. Yeah, and we, we will definitely get into that when we get to that movie. Yeah. You know, those three movies because there's a lot to talk about there. Uh, that's not just me being annoyed at a 10 minute redemption arc for a genocidal murderer, but that's another story entirely. <laughs> I have feelings, and I know we but all. But those abs, Matthew. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm sorry. You get more redemption a- episode depending on how much thirst you generate. That's a yeah. very important point. Sure. Um. So,
2: so I think like all of these fan theories, or, or even, you know, Dave Filoni theories. He's, he's mm-hmm. a He is a fan, but he's also a creator who right. controls a lot of the direction of these stories. I think it's, you have to take what material you already have and yeah. kind of like retrofit it to make sense with what you yeah. what you want it to be. And, and right. he gets a lot more say in what it, what it is going to become.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I, I'm pretty happy with his theory and yeah. hope to see more of that kind of development
0: i definitely do I, th- I think i'm torn on it because i think it's a theory that helps me explain like episodes like these in various very um helpful ways but i think it's kind of like um and again i'm i'm referencing harry potter again um uh you know obviously it's 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 a universe that i have great problems with the creator of uh but it's one that's so much part of the zeitgeist that i feel like it's a good example of and here we're talking about a failing of the author to me, on some level, it's kind of like J.K. Rowling later saying that Dumbledore was gay. Like, it does help explain some parts of the story, but it, because it wasn't in the story at all, it—I I, like—I feel like on the one hand, this helps me better understand what in the world is happening, but it doesn't make it any better that the show doesn't actually explain that itself. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And and certainly though, if it—I would love to see it gone into in some future content. Like that would be a great thing to see more of because. I think that's a thing I've never quite under ever understood, is, like, what was the prophecy, and, and did he fulfill it?
1: Yeah. I think there's, like, I don't know, the, the like, J.K. Rowling comparison. Like, I get what you're trying to say, but, like, she she was the creator, and all of this, like, also, they were Jewish characters, is, like, I don't know. It just seems like her retroactively trying to add mm-hmm. diversity to, like, be woke, even though she's clearly Right. Not. Um, but, uh, whereas, like, Lucas, I think Lucas's view of the Force is, like, light side good, dark side bad, mm-hmm. um, and then it's been subsequent creators who have tried to put that nuance in there, mm-hmm. and, like, I'm really thankful that Lucas gave us Star Wars, like, I'm, I don't want to, like, talk smack about him, but, like, I do think his, his view of his creation is a lot more simplistic than what's been done with it in, in later iterations. Hmm. Like, especially, like, I don't think George Lucas would have ever come out with this arc,
0: you know? I, I mean, my understanding was that he was um, directly overseeing the Clone Wars TV show. Um, and so a lot of the stuff we're getting, and, and certainly he was a direct overseer of the Clone Wars, of uh, the, the prequels. And mm-hmm. that's where they do start to go into the idea that the Jedi are, um, A, that the Jedi are not always right um and that there are real problems with with the the Jedi philosophy like you said the Obi-Wan and Satine stories um and also in the shows we do get um all the stuff about the night witches who are presented as anti-heroes at least i mean they're definitely people we're rooting for so i'm I, i'm not quite sure i think that lucas um didn't didn't have this idea of that the the light and dark being more complicated i think mm-hmm. it's just i i think he had it i think it's just that he didn't trust the audience and so he he, like, wanted to have that nuance but then also wanted you to get, like, a very two-dimensional thing because it was a kid's movie or a kid's TV show. And that's – that's there's just this conflict here of what he wanted and how he executed it. Sure.
1: Yeah, the prequels especially seem to really hit you over the head with it, yeah. right? Like, ugh, they could have they been so good. They could have been so nuanced. They could have been the idea of, like, Palpatine. Doing this coup because he thought it was right, and he honestly thought that like the Jedi had too much power. But instead, it was like, nah, I'm evil, and I shoot lightning out of my hands.
0: Yeah,
2: and we needed more tax law debate. More, more
1: taxes. (laughs) Yeah, the tax, the tax percent has been increased.
0: Even if you don't have, um, granted, we're getting way off topic here, but this Mm. is what we talk about. Uh, Jeff Randall and I go quite deep on this on our reviews of the the prequel movies and where we came out on is that even if Palpatine has to stay like just a pure mustache twirler Dooku is the character you could have had really think he's doing the right thing you know if he's the one who doesn't realize he's being turned to the dark side he doesn't realize he's a pawn he fundamentally thinks the Republic is bad um such a better better story
1: yeah or even like Anakin (laughs) Right, like Anakin turns to the dark side because it's like, yeah, but your wife's sick, so and he's mm-hmm. like, mm, good point. Guess I'll be evil. Yeah, and but like, there's, like a, there's a great moment in this episode arc where he says, like, nothing, nothing, no one will. I will never knowingly turn to the dark side. It's like, Mm. mm. will yeah, you? But,
2: but he also does turn to the dark side here. Yeah, like he's so shocked by this vision, future vision of himself turning to the dark side. That the only way to prevent that is to turn, turn to the, the dark, dark
0: side? Yeah. That's... I guess, though, I really liked that, because I think, to me, that really highlights... The... <clears throat> Excuse me. I guess I really liked that, because to me it highlights the whole seduct... Just how seductive this idea is, and just how mm. much it is about, you know, by hating evil that much, it is possible to, to turn into that, which you hate. Um, I'm guessing, yeah. Ricky, it did not land quite as much for you as it did for me. I... It...
2: It bothered me because he goes full um, Sith Yellow Eyes. Yeah. Which is kind of like a known symbol in Star Wars canon. Mm-hmm. You you have fallen to the dark side. Um and yeah, just to like have that happen so suddenly.
0: Yeah. I, I think Sarah, you were kind of implying this, but it's um the the best way I can describe it is that Lucas and the and shows like this, they like to hit you over the head with a nuance. Um, Mm -hmm. which is just not how nuance is supposed to work.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: It also tries
2: to kind of have it both ways, right? Mm. We talked about how the sun says, like, I'm not Sith nor Jedi, but he seems really Sith. Yeah. He shoots force lightning.
0: Well, I I guess here here I'd push back, though. Is it that he seems Sith, or is it that he seems he's doing what people on the dark side can do, and until now we've only seen Sith people do that?
1: It's like know. weird, but like
2: he also just looks Sith. He he looks like one of the Inquisitors from Rebels. He does, in he fact. Does. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I guess it's it's this idea of like saying one thing, but then like not showing it. Mm-hmm. So like the right, like he's saying like I'm neither Sith nor Jedi. It's like I'm not I'm not dark nor light. It's like, but you're very you're very clearly dark. Like you're the black dragon. Your sister's the white dragon.
0: Right. Uh,
1: Eh, and like, even the father being like, "Ah, I'm just like this neutral fulcrum." He seems very like, like he sacrifices his daughter to like bring Ahsoka back, and is very clearly like, "My son is not allowed to take over here." Yeah, right. Like he he also seems to be pulling for the light side, and is not really this like neutral arbiter that he says he is.
0: Right, and he talks about the, he talks about his son kind of falling to the dark side more as the episodes go on which Mm. yeah it's again where I and you may well be right that i'm reading too much into these episodes and i'm sort of making them into the episodes i want them to be um because i do feel like there's such interesting nuance that's there but then you're right they just they're really trying to have it both ways because like I, i think there's something really interesting there about the idea of all of these elements of the dark side existing that aren't just the sith um and and here's actually a question for you. To me, I find these episodes very interesting because they do the same I think they do the same thing as what the ones we just got, because the Night Sisters are also an example of the dark side that's not the Sith. Um and mm-hmm. it doesn't they it seems like they are more amoral than immoral. Like they're they're very happy to kill to protect themselves, but they're not quite as much like let's go out and rule everything. Um do you think these episodes would have been more powerful if they hadn't come right after the Night Sisters and we hadn't already had so much sort of force navel gazing?
1: Maybe I mean, like we took a quite a break between watching them, right. So it wasn't True. like we had Night Sisters fresh on the brain. but also I'd, I think I disagree that the Night Sisters use the dark side of the force. They're just using like the force in general in a different way. Oh, like, interesting. I, do they okay. explicitly say they're using like the dark side? I mean, they're doing like creepy resurrection stuff. So may- maybe, <laughs> and I'm I'm maybe a little naive to say that like no, that's not the dark side. I mean, I they're
2: color. Is... To... Go ahead, establish that they do use the dark, the dark side. side. Okay. And yeah. I think the different, like the difference between them and Sith is that Sith are about like domination and individuality, and the Night Sisters literally share their power, right? Like, They're they are able to use rituals witches. to even, right. like, empower people who are are not them, the way they uh, force steroids, Savage. hmm Right.
1: Yeah. Okay. But I guess, like, so... Mm, it seems like the Sith is, like, a branch of the dark side. Yeah. yeah, like, And the, the Nexus Sith... are, like, a different branch of the dark
2: Just side. Just like the Jedi is a religion. Like, the yeah. Sith is a religion. Yeah, Sure.
0: Yeah. And I think that's... To to me, it it brings up to me the um, the old story of the blind people and the elephant, and the idea that like you know if each, the idea of it is that like you have a a whole bunch of blind people all touch an elephant, you know one of them will touch the trunk and say okay an elephant is like long and cylindrical, and another one will touch the tail, another one will touch the leg, and probably all of them get stepped on. That's another part of the story, (laughs) but but it's often used as a as a um a metaphor of religion and divinity and the idea that like. Any one group of people might have one small understanding of one small piece of the divinity, but that that no one of them has the full picture. And I mm. I guess I kind of see the same thing here, like that the Sith have one particular vision of the dark side, and they think that means that they should go out and try to conquer the world. And the Sisters have a different idea of it, and they think that means that they should, you know, protect themselves vehemently but but just stay in their own little corner and not try and go out and change everything just you know screw with anybody who screws with them mm-hmm. um
1: yeah so yeah the night sisters are very much like what we think of as like witches coven right like they're they're protecting yeah. themselves they're protecting their way of life if you leave them alone they'll leave you alone um they're not like power hungry in the same way that the sith are yeah there's something you mentioned earlier that I thought was super interesting about like you, like, reading too much into this arc and wanting it to be, like, the episodes you want it to be instead of the episodes that it is. And, like, that... I feel that in a big way, because before we watched these, like, Riki was saying how much he disliked these this arc and was just not looking forward to it. And I was like, oh, what? I really like this. I really like (laughs) this arc a lot. And then I watched it, and I was kind of like, meh. Yeah. Maybe I don't, but, like, (laughs) with some distance and thinking back on it, I was like, oh, yeah, it was all these cool ideas of, like... What is the force and the embodiment of the force, and I think Rebels touches on it in a really cool way. Like they don't mm-hmm. they don't yeah. go too deep into it. They just like kind of reference it and leave it pretty open ended. And I think I was making it into the episodes that I wanted it to be instead of the episode that it was. And like upon rewatching it, I was like, oh yeah, this this doesn't hit as well as I thought it did.
0: I think that may well be fair. It may well be that I, I read these episodes and was like, oh, yes, it's these episodes. I get to talk about this stuff. And then I rewatched them and I was still like, oh, but I get to talk about this stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I do still think I like them more than you two do. Uh, and, and maybe that's in part because I have this, you know, the sociology of religion stuff is what really fascinates me. Um, but you're right. I think there is there's a really good idea in these episodes, but the execution of it is at times very clunky. I mean, that's um. Fair. You made a point that um, Star Wars to you, one of the things it means is action-adventure. And I would actually say I feel like there is a significant amount of action-adventure in these episodes. Mm-hmm. And it's far and away the worst part. Yeah. Because it feels like they're throwing in an action-adventure conflict because they think it's what they're supposed to have. And it just really doesn't work. Yeah.
2: yeah. and So much of the action-adventure is shape-shifting. It's just something like we've never seen before.
1: Shape shifting, or like the when Ahsoka gets like possessed or poisoned, and is like just angry and fighting.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, it's
2: so okay. Let's talk about Ahsoka then, because I I thought on this rewatch that was actually the most interesting thing. Yeah, and I I definitely want to get to this. I don't want to get too into like what happens to her character in the future, but the, they, the, in the same way that they reveal some of Anakin's future, the, the son says some things to her that suggest, you know, a possible future for her, um, that we, as, as viewers who have watched it know to be true. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And upon rewatch, knowing what happens to her, I just thought like it, that was not as strongly, um, touched upon as the Anakin stuff, maybe because they had not decided upon that yet.
1: Yeah, oh, I totally agree, especially because like the Ahsoka stuff doesn't come until this most recent season that we got, right? Like Clone Wars ended in season six, right? And then we got like this bonus seven season that dealt with Ahsoka's yeah. <clears throat> future. Whereas like with Anakin, they were just straight up playing like clips from the movie, which already existed.
0: Right, yeah, it's definitely true.
1: But they, yeah, I also um, like Qui Gon coming back too. I think was was an interesting thing.
2: Uh, yeah. I love actual, that they, actual uh, Liam Neeson. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, Liam Neeson for some reason is the only one that can get. I mean, I mean, in some ways, I, I'm glad they don't try to get you and McGregor. I think I like the this Obi Wan actor better. Um, but uh, and certainly I like this Anakin actor much better. But mm-hmm. yeah, I do love that they can get Liam Neeson. Um, well, it's Liam just Neeson. like a,
1: a bit like he, he's just in for. An episode every once in a while, right? Not yeah. like to like
0: a whole... Half an hour of recording time once exactly. a year. But you're right. I, I, it was something I had in my notes that I just want to bring up. I, I like what they do with Ahsoka, especially because... Mm-hmm. And granted, they all forget about it. But I feel like being on this planet really starts to reveal some of the conflict between Ahsoka and Anakin. Um, like one thing I thought was really interesting was at one point in the episode... Um, I think it's the daughter, but someone is talking to Ahsoka about like being careful about your master, and and she says like you know there's seeds of the dark side in you planted by your master, mm-hmm. and and Ahsoka's response is to defend him and be like no he's wonderful he's just passionate and impulsive and passionate which and is impulse, not the Jedi way <laughs> yeah are very much elements of a Sith and it's it, it to me what I feel like it's showing and here they actually got the nuance well I thought is that Ahsoka on some level, is starting to realize that Anakin is going in directions that the Jedi say are wrong, but that she has such a devotion to him that she either doesn't want to see it or maybe there's thinks that he might be it. right and the Jedi might be yeah. wrong, and she's wrestling with that. Um, and there's, there's more payoff of that, I think, than some of the other things. But I, I thought they did a really good job of like highlighting that that's what's happening within her head, uh, especially mm-hmm. in some of the, in the scenes where they have more conflict later in the show.
2: Yeah, and there was also, like, while they are fighting, when she's possessed and they're fighting, he calls her Snips, which I don't think we've had in quite some time, right. and possessed Ahsoka is like, I hate it when you call me that. Mm-hmm. And then, when she recovers from the possession, he immediately calls her Snips again. Yeah, I thought <laughs> like, that was so I know she was possessed, but she doesn't like it, Anakin. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was definitely, and I think that was a very intentional moment there. Um, yeah. which I thought was interesting.
1: Yeah.
0: One of their just little um uh lampshading nuance it's not nu- nuanced at all but just kind of a lampshade of what's happening. Um the fact that like when Anakin and the brother are fighting and Anakin is like starting to see what the dark side of him could look like, they're fighting like s- surrounded by lava. I thought that was oh, a very yeah. nice like foreshadow of what will so happen with him and Obi-Wan.
1: Yeah. Um Yeah, I also like, the Dagger of Mortis, I think, was interesting, mm-hmm. in that, like, I don't know, I'm, I, like, I was wondering if it had any, like, Darksaber foreshadowing as well, but I think it's just, like, an entirely different thing, and, like, the Darksaber just doesn't come around until later, but, um, there's, yeah, there's, like, a, I don't know, it's similar in Function, I suppose, in that, like, Um, Obi-Wan goes and gets this magic sword that's capable of killing these embodiments of the force. Mm -hmm. Um, And it has the, like, cool blackish blade situation. Yeah. Um, And then, like, don't you learn that the Darksaber was also, like, given... My Darksaber lore is not at the top of my (laughs) mind right now. But, like, the Mandalorians had it, but it was, like, Found in a Jedi temple.
2: It was stolen.
1: Stolen from a Jedi temple.
0: Yeah, it, as part of the Mandalorian Jedi Wars. Um, I'm hoping we're going to learn a lot more about that on Mandalorian season two. Yeah, um, but we're not. I know
1: they talk about it a lot in Rebels. Um, but but yeah, this, so this idea of like this blade coming from this embodiment of the Force and like the dark saber comes from a Jedi temple. Like they, I don't know. I feel like they might be linked somehow. But mm-hmm. maybe I'm reading too much into that. <laughs>
2: what do you the think? Darksaber is just supposed to be a different lightsaber like it's just a, another piece of technology yeah there's nothing there's mystical nothing magic about, about it Well no. oh, that sucks it's it's <laughs> mostly symbolic the fact that the mandalorians were able to steal this from a jedi temple it takes it takes on this meaning to them of right the the day they defeated the jedi
1: but then why does it look so unlike any other lightsaber
2: that's just that's why they stole it because it yeah. looked cool.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think there, there's 8 million fan theories about it. I think it could yeah. well be some of that. Um, certainly the fact that, it, to our knowledge, the man, it is the only lightsaber that um, non-Force users have been able to fight with on a, and fight well with, as far as I know, at least in the, most of the canon that I've seen. Um, but yeah, that that's that's all. We'll, we'll hopefully get into that in, in Mandalorian too. Yeah, well, um, because it, it has
2: an actual physical blade to it. Right.
0: Um, one other thing I, I, I wanted to quick ask, and we can kind of wrap up, um, so the place that they're on is called Mortis. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: To me, that word is supposed like to to mean death. You know, yeah, it's connected yeah. to mortality. Um, it's connected to rigor mortis. You know, the the rigidity of death. Um, mm-hmm. mort is I, I think either in Latin or in in French or one of those languages. Like, it's a word that that archaically was used for death. Um, I mean, yeah,
1: it's, it's French for death. It probably is Latin as
0: well. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, but well, in French, isn't it with a D instead of a T?
1: Uh no, I think it's just okay. no, but I mean like it's again, it's it's been a few years since I've mm-hmm. taken a friend Yeah,
0: <laughs> But but either way, so like do you think that's supposed to, like is there some supposed to be some implication with that name or is this just like it's a fantasy name that sounded cool?
2: I I lean towards it sounded cool because mm-hmm. I there's I there doesn't seem to be any connection with death other than like they all die. <laughs> <I guess>. <laughs> right. <laughs> other than that everyone dies. Um
1: I think it's it's like, in uh, less death, more, like, mortality. Um, They're going for that sort of root word, which I guess is where, like, the same... I'm assuming it's, like, the same root from, like, Latin, right? Right. Um, but I, I think it has to do more with this idea of, like, these mortal beings mm-hmm. are coming to visit this, like, embodiment of the Force, which is clearly, like... Like they're supposed to be immortal, but then also they <laughs> die. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a. I think it's a significant name. I don't think it's like there was like Fallujah, which just sounded a <laughs> awful lot like Fallujah that one time. Yeah, where it was maybe like a name people were hearing in the news.
0: I, I think I maybe think one of those like the name sounded significant because it has all these references, but I don't think the thinking beyond it went much beyond that
1: yeah or at the very least this wasn't like the like what we were talking about about the um hit you over the head quote-unquote nuance right Mm -hmm. like if 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 it was intentional it's very subtle
0: for sure um well so we're approaching an hour um i think that's about all i had to say on this episode so anything you guys wanted to to touch on
1: um no i mean like the qui-gon thing was neat i think about um like obi-wan so everybody kind of talks to Someone significant from their past, except for Ahsoka, who talks to her future self. Mm, um, but I think it was it was. Oh yeah, yeah.
2: Anakin <clears throat> has a vision of his mother, his mom. She yeah, him.
1: yep. And uh, Obi Wan talks to Qui Gon, and I think this idea of like, oh, like Qui Gon being the significant person in Obi Wan's <clears throat> life continuing to play, right? Yeah. Like, I would I would like them to explore a little more about Obi Wan's mourning of. Qui-Gon, because again, like right Jedi detachment, you're probably yeah. you're not supposed to mourn the loss of your master.
0: So I recently read one of the novels, part of the extended universe, which are you know like sort of pseudo canon, but I think can be illustrative. Um, and it's just called Kenobi, and I think it's one of the best Star Wars books I've read. It's it's in part because it's a very human story. It is is very much a Western set on Tatooine, and <clears throat> one of the overall conflicts in the book is between like the settlers and the sand people, and they play it very much like a traditional Western of like white settlers versus the indigenous natives with, you know, the reader coming to have a lot more sympathy for the indigenous natives and understanding like the racism behind how they're viewed and stuff like that. And like, it's a great novel in that regard. But one of the things that makes it very interesting is that the framing technique is that, um, You're getting, um, a kind of Obi-Wan's diary entries to enter, to start every chapter, but they are, um, Obi-Wan meditating and talking to Qui-Gon, and Qui-Gon never responds. It's all about him, like, trying to establish contact with Qui-Gon and, uh, you know, trying to establish what we will later learn in the Clone Wars show is, like, that this is how he eventually will be able to talk to Luke once, once Obi-Wan passes on, um, but for what you're saying, I think, it's a very nice thing of what you're talking about because it really shows Obi Wan's feelings about Qui Gon, and they go into exactly that of how he can like talk about like missing him, but wanting not to be attached to him, but mm-hmm. but how much he feels like he has failed to live up to Qui Gon's like the the path Qui Gon set out for him.
2: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what was the book called
0: again? Kenobi. Uh, it's called Kenobi. Kenobi. And you'll be very happy. Um, He does befriend numerous large beasts. Delightful. Yeah. The Steve, Steve Irwin This
2: is like the secret thing <laughs> that is not really acknowledged about the, Obi-Wan.
1: Obi-Wan is Snow White, like talking to animals. Yeah. I, is, is it Snow White? Sleeping Beauty? Anyway, some but, Disney princess.
0: What Riki said a while ago is that he's the Steve Irwin, which I really like. <laughs>
1: Steve Irwin. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That's good. All right.
0: Well, thanks guys so much. Um, it was interesting because I think we we differed on these episodes, but it seemed like we all had some different perspectives, and um, you really helped me see it in some different ways as well. Uh, maybe took away my rose-colored glasses a little bit. But um. <laughs> I mean,
2: I don't. I think the writing is fine, and like the the plot is fine. Yeah. I, I just like, you know, I want to get back to the Clone Wars. Yeah. Especially especially when the cliffhanger at the end of the previous arc was oh. Darth Maul might still be alive. And then yeah, now it's just <clears throat> going to, like... Well, it's
1: not even might. Like, she straight up says sure. he's is alive. I mean,
2: we yeah. know he is. But it's, yeah. I mean, question mark.
0: Yeah. I think the timing of where it fits is a little off. And I, I think, kind of, Sarah, you were kind of talking about this. I think I like the idea of these episodes more than the episodes themselves. But either way, it gives us a lot to talk about, which is kind of the fun part about this whole podcast. So, uh, listeners, what did you think? Um, are these some of your favorite episodes? Are they not favorites? Are they ones you just kind of am about? What do you think about all these ideas about the balance to the force and and where that fits and how that all fits in and what does the prophecy actually mean and was it fulfilled? Let us know. You can find us on Facebook, email, a number of other places uh, under Star Wars Universe Podcast. All the links will be on the uh, page for the Star Wars Universe Podcast at the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. So if you just go to strandedpanda.com, you can find all our links right there. Uh, We've had some people writing in. Uh, Thank you so much for that. We'll keep... um, I'm going to make sure we respond to those and do a feedback uh, part at the end of the, the episode we're going to do later this week, which will be about um, The Mandalorian and, and getting ready for season two. So please check that out. Uh, thank you so much for all of you. Riki, Sarah, thank you for being great co-hosts, and have a great day.
2: Thank you. Kenobi. <laughs>